Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. We have a, a very special guest this weekend. Uh, so nice to have Robert Long join us, Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. And uh, man, what a title, what a place to work. Huh, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> very nice. What a, what- yeah, Arnold Worldwide, of course, we've had, uh, I guess it was Fran Kelly a few years ago, an executive, uh, and I apologize if Fran's listening, I don't have it in the title with Fran, but let's just say that he's a very important person. There you go. Uh, and uh, had Fran Kelly with Arnold on the show a few years ago, he's a great guest, and uh, looking forward to visiting with uh, Robert today. Yeah, and in addition to that, we're going to visit with uh, Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider. It's all shifting, according to Patrick, and it is indeed. Joe Jaffe's different perspective, a, a a new feature, a newcomer feature to the advertising show, is going to talk about negative consumer comments and what to do about those things. Uh, that'll be uh, next hour. Patrick is with us this hour. We've got uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz, the wacky world of marketing, about something about Santa and a BMW. Don't know what that is. And uh, a little bit later on this hour, it's it's uh, unfortunately bad advertising, and right. that's just the way it goes. Okay. So, uh, what's cooking with you? Well, you know, Ray, this is a time of, of year when everybody does a lot more traveling than normal, a lot more leisure travel, in addition to uh, our business crowd out there, that uh, the, the uh, road warriors, we call it, here in the uh, here in the U.S. as far as our domestic travel. And so much more air travel going on during the holidays. I came across this article. Uh, let's see here. Was this uh, an Associated Press article? Well... I just uh, uh, clipped it from... Well, the, it is uh, now, okay? Yeah, we'll go ahead and give them credit for it. But i got to tell you, I, I pulled this because I could not believe, uh, no, no surprise here that 12.6 million items have been seized this year from carry-on bags nationwide. Uh, but, but this really just blew me away. Uh, they have a little sidebar on this that shows a partial list of items that will and will not be allowed in, uh, into airplane cabins. Now, uh, in the uh, prohibited uh, list, no surprises here, box cutters, knives, right. uh, you know, lighters, crowbars. Could you imagine wanting to bring a crowbar on a plane? Uh, and, no. and a few other. The, <laughs> oh, and here, here's, an, here's an odd one. No bows and arrows and no guns. Well, come so on If you're thinking about now. traveling this year, you know, keep your, leave your bows and arrows and guns at home, folks. But uh, here, here's what blew me away. Permitted. Very top of the list under permitted. Knitting needles. Yeah, that, knitting that's needles. not good. Yeah, okay. Those and, are dangerous. And I'm seeing those jabbing into somebody's eyes. And then I, and then number two, toy weapons. You if can bring toy weapons on, on board? Toy weapons and needle uh, knitting needles. Now, I'm not being irresponsible here by mentioning this. I'm trying to bring some... some some kind of logic to this. Bring, just, bring it to, this to light. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. Now, you know, of course, we cannot also have tweezers or nail clippers, and we understand all that. But, but I mean, my goodness. I'm sorry. That is under the permitted, I should say. Permitted. Tweezers right. and nail clippers right. are right. now being permitted. Right. Uh, round-bladed knives and plastic cutlery. Uh, and up to four books of safety matches you can also now carry. 
I don't know anybody would want uh, up to four, but you, if you want up to four, you can bring those on board as well. <laughs> the knitting needles. Can you see the little old lady with the knitting needles? Yeah, right. Uh, and right. then the little boy, the grandson with his toy uh, bazooka, you know, mm-hmm. or machine gun, or, or you know, his, uh, his uh, uh, nine millimeter. I mean, come yeah, on. Right. You're going to shoot your eye out, kid. What's the matter with you? It's We've crazy. Got... I don't know how. I don't know how those two got got through, Ray. Andy Borowitz is going to uh, address that a uh, little bit later on uh, in hour number two of the advertising show. Right now, we'll uh, check in with Patrick Meyer and uh, the Marketing Insider. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to respond to a question I had recently about what I call the marketing revolution. How do you know it's really going on? Here's my answer. I took an issue of Advertising Age. Let me walk you through some of the headlines. The first one, A&A, 4As, agitate for upfront changes. It is clear that there is substantial dissatisfaction and frustration with the current process. Second headline, Interpublic donated X hundred thousand dollars to a political campaign. Isn't Interpublic the agency last year that was having major financial problems? Third headline, New York Ad Fest takes shape. Next September, there will be a whole week to celebrate advertising in New York City. Maybe the advertising and marketing model is a little bit more important than the celebration and the awards. Next headline, WPP facing shareholder opposition over incentives. We just did a survey recently at Now Inc. that said that CEOs and CMOs, 71% believe that mega agencies are too focused on financial performance versus focusing on marketing for the client. Next headline, IKEA courts buyers with offbeat ideas. Well, you just want to applaud IKEA. Come at it with a whole different approach. Next headline, media agencies struggle to manage client conflicts. That's all about the money. How do you optimize the big agency or mega agency financial performance? Last headline, Madison Avenue out of touch? Study finds industry needs to address marketers' new challenges. My headline, it's a wake-up call for marketing and advertising. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of Now, and remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. Always good advice uh, from Patrick Meyer here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. And uh, we are, uh, first of all, we want to let you know that Brad sounds a little bit funny this week. Uh, no, it's not the flu. Uh, it's, he's actually at a Valero gas station outside of Lubbock, uh, at the, the, ga- the gas station in Laundromat. And I uh, want to make sure you have plenty of quarters, Brad, okay? Well, now if you're gonna if you're gonna say where I am, you you could be more exotic than that. But we'll go with that, just in case uh, in case we have some stalkers out there. We'll we'll stay with the Panhandle. Well, this is no, this is like the mystery vacation. You know what I mean? And uh, next hour you're going to be in uh, Oklahoma. Okay. okay. I like that. Uh, <laughs> where is uh, what's that? Uh, Carmen San Diego yeah. or whatever the show yeah, was yeah, yeah. exactly. We've got uh, more uh, to come. As a matter of fact, what we're going to do is join a conversation here in just a moment with Robert Wong, Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. Arnold Worldwide. Back in just a minute with more.
You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA. America's the greatest land of all. On a highway it's The Advertising Show. Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, back as promised with our special guest out of Boston this weekend, Robert Wong, successfully leading uh, integrated programs of brand strategy, corporate identity, design, advertising, and new media for, well, you've heard of these people, Starbucks, Audi, Crunch, Harley-Davidson, IBM, MTV, NPR, uh, the CBS and the IRS. No, wait, that's not on there. Okay. And Robert is now Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. Uh, Robert, welcome to the Advertising Show. It's good to have you here. It's great to be here. Yeah, Robert, uh, you know, I think we came across, Ray and I were discussing before today's show, that uh, we'd seen a, an article, I believe it was an ad age in the last few months, uh, that uh, featured you and uh, and others in talking about the uh, uh, the role design is playing today. It's it's uh, something that uh, is unusual in the ad agency world in that uh, design was something that just was was absent. And, and, and your role as uh, executive creative director with a design slant uh, to your your background is something new. Would you? How did this whole thing get started, and why is it now part of uh, the agency platform, whereas it was not uh, a part of the agency world just what five years ago? Um, you know, actually, I think it probably had been there in pockets in the world, but maybe not as public now. Uh, I think clients are also talking more and more about, um, I think P&G was just talking in an article about their, you know, they want to be a design company, a leading design company. And uh, and you look at, the, you know, the, some of the more charismatic brands out there, like um, uh, Target, uh, Apple, Starbucks, uh, Harley-Davidson, they all you can almost say they're design companies. Um, so I think that's driving a lot of the noise about design. Um, but I remember even way back when I was just a fresh young kid in uh, uh, starting out, uh, when, when Wyden hired John Jay, who was a designer from uh, Bloomingdale's, to be a creative director, um, that, that probably started a lot of it. Um, and, and then hired a lot of designers as art directors, and I, I think generally the work got better. Um, but specifically the discipline of design, uh, you know, identity, packaging, uh, more clients are realizing that just talking about it, you know, communication is not enough. You've got to be it. And if you think about some of the greatest brand icons of all time are really designs, like the Coke bottle or the blue Tiffany box. So uh, I think that's what's driving it. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. The more successful companies out there do certainly incorporate a uh, heavy uh, design aspect of their overall brand. And I'm curious, you know, I, I'm just old enough, and I know Ray is as well, uh, to remember back in the 60s and, and, and thinking about clothing uh, apparel. It, you know, Levi's was were the jeans that people wore then, and, and designer wear was uh, on, on into the future, 70s and 80s, when designer wear began to take hold. And I noticed that... Uh, you know, later on in my adult life, uh, designer wear, what, what once was special, became omnipresent, and uh, everyone yes. had, had designer wear. I'm curious, looking back, uh, Robert, can you give us some kind of timeline as to how consumer demand for style and design has evolved into what it is today? I, I think you actually start to nail it. Whereas design was a luxury, um, now, uh, it, you know, let's say Banana Republic got all of American males to look a little bit better. Um, if everyone expects it, uh, what you know, if you even look at a Starbucks, which is you know almost in every corner, 
but the design of the Starbucks interior is still, you know, special and up to par with uh, uh, a boutique European uh, cafe. So everyone is used to it. Everyone's exposed to it. Uh, as society, you know, uh, evolves, this is another thing we're consuming now and expecting from uh, experiences and, and, and companies and products and services. You know, they're after the technology rush, after you know how, how you know how much how much farther can they drive the prices down? Um, the visceral aesthetic experience of design becomes a big strategic edge, and everyone wants it. You know what a uh, what a wonderful uh, uh, feather to have in your head as you were uh, before joining Arnold, as you mentioned, you're vice president, creative director at Starbucks, and uh, I'm curious, what t- talk a little bit about your role as head of creative for Starbucks? I mean, a, a fan- fantastic brand. Uh, a wonderful brand experience for anyone to step foot in uh, yeah. in a Starbucks, and I'm just curious, you know, what what of what we experience as we walk into a Starbucks, uh, were you responsible for, Robert? You know what, my big responsibility there was not to screw things up. <laughs> I think I could put it that way. Heard that before, Robert? I mean, right? What's that? I heard that before. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's basically it. it it's uh, uh, there's a lot of visceral. Uh, designers there. Um, you know, I remember when I first met the uh, the head of uh, the director of uh, R and D product development, and this is the person who, who's you know coming up with the, the formulas for the coffees and optimizing the machines and all that kind of stuff. You know, he was telling me when he met me, he's like, "Oh my God, I have to talk to you because I feel like this machine we have doesn't look good enough." You know, they have design in their blood, in their yeah. DNA, and they worry about like you know how the store smells. Uh, what sounds you hear in the store, and all the nonverbal cues. Instead of talking about what a great coffee experience it is, um, it, you know, it just tries to build it. And well, so, the R&D had a design flair. I'm curious, how, how how many people would be in the design department for Starbucks? Um, I, around uh, uh, around 80 people. Wow. Yeah, I think I think people would be surprised to to know it was that big. I mean. So, so the design uh, staff you were you headed up that uh, that staff I assume Robert yeah uh, w- what would be a typical day uh, how much time do we have left right well we got about a minute and a half Brad a minute and a half uh, Robert typical day of uh, dealing with 80 uh, design egos there huh well Starbucks. well actually you know they were they were pretty well segmented um, they were creative directors leading very discreet areas in different projects. And we had, you know, the store environment design itself. We'd have uh, people that would service uh, really clients within within uh, Starbucks, whether it's beverage, coffee, food, merchandising, um, and you know, like very talented people. So they um, mainly, I was there just to not screw it up. So it was segmented like that. You know, uh, yeah. I promise you we are going to get into talking about your role as Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide, and there's a lot of interesting uh, things to talk about uh, at uh, Arnold and going on with many of your clients. Uh, uh, Timberland, an example of one sure. that has a lot of exciting things that you guys have uh, have going on with that client. And then uh, also a friend of yours, Arthur Rubenfeld, uh, former Executive Vice President of Starbucks, uh, as credited with helping the expansion of Starbucks from some 100 stores to nearly 4,000 during his 10-year uh, 10-year time uh, working with uh, Starbucks. And I know you have a, a friendly relationship with him, and he's a former guest here on the show, uh, and along with uh, former CMO Scott Bedberry, who, who also uh-huh. worked at Starbucks for uh, 
what I think what he called his two or three year coffee break at Starbucks after Nike for several years. Also guest here on the advertising show. You can catch both of those shows and any other shows through our archives at theadvertisingshow.com. And, Ray, I guess that's all I can do to fill the minute and a half. You know, Brad, that was really good. I like that. Uh, (laughs) Very, very, very well done. Theadvertisingshow.com is indeed a great place to go uh, for the uh, the archived shows, podcasts, and the RSS feeds. And we are so happy to have uh, Robert Wong, our special guest, uh, is uh, creative director at, uh, executive creative director, can't forget that, at uh, Arnold Worldwide out of Boston this weekend. We've got... Robert, for both uh, hours today, and uh, we will be back in just a moment to, uh, to do another segment with it as well. We invite you to stay with us here at The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to Colorado Springs, where AP reports on the ultimate product placement. Forget about Santa's magic sleigh and his eight flying reindeer. They're out of work because old St. Nick has a new luxury ride, a BMW. The surprise weekend storm dumped up to 13 inches of snow on the Colorado Springs area. Santa's sleigh was stuck at the North Pole. That's North Pole, the theme park on the slopes of Pikes Peak in Colorado. So, Santa was left without a lift for the 21st annual Festival of Lights Parade, but parade organizers got the jolly old elf the ultimate driving machine, and he rode in the parade in a BMW convertible. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Good morning. Oh, you're not my daisies. Right, Mother Nature. They're Chiffon's new daisy servers. Taste. Oh, it's my sweet, creamy butter. Nope, it's new Chiffon margarine. Chiffon has the fresh churned flavor. It's another great classic spot here on the advertising show, Mother Nature. Never mess around with her because she comes back at you like the recent weather in the Northeast, which is where Robert Wong is, our special guest, and he is the executive creative director at Arnold Worldwide. Robert, welcome back to the advertising show. Good to have you here. Hey, it's awesome to be back again. Yeah, uh, Robert, last segment we mentioned, and and we'll save any uh, conversation for Starbucks uh, for next hour. Uh, One quick question about Starbucks. So why have, I know you're buddies with uh, Howard Schultz, the chairman and chief global strategist for uh, Starbucks. I'm curious now, why in the world, Robert, haven't you guys acquired the uh, Starbucks account yet? (laughs) You know, it's funny. uh, just before I left, one of my jobs, uh, along with uh, head of marketing Ann Saunders, was to find the agency. So I did that job, and then I left. So, so you know, I, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And actually, before I left, my, my goal was to be the very best client ever on the planet. And um, so didn't get to do that. Was <laughs> it that you hired? And actually, uh, early on, when we, when we were looking around, I actually was interested in Arnold. I had called up. And... Uh, Arnold actually didn't couldn't do it because of uh, McDonald's as a conflict. Ah. 
And, and so uh, the agency you chose was Wyden Kennedy, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, going back now and jumping in more to some conversation about Arnold Worldwide, and we are speaking to Robert Wong, Executive Creative Director. In the Ad Age article that I mentioned uh, last segment, you'd explained how traditional brand consultants uh, drop off a logo and a set of guidelines and yep. lead clients to, I guess, having to figure out how to bring a brand to life or, uh, you know, how will the brand be experienced from a consumer standpoint. I would think uh, many would be surprised listening today to learn that clients would actually allow a paid consultant to, to get by with this. So does this kind of thing really happen, Robert? Um, well, that's what they're paid for, usually. I mean, it's usually the street projects. And, um, and, and mainly it started with the, with the industry of here's the logo. Yeah. And here's the brand strategy. Here's a logo. Um, but, you know, they're not – it's slightly different because they're not uh, – uh, you know, in the same agency relationship. And that's actually why I went to an agency was short of being inside a client where you can touch all the parts that really create the brand. You know, we, everyone talks about the 360, um, you know, not just the advertising, but the internet, internet the, the collateral, how the employees are inspired, um, the design of it, look and feel of the store. And, um, and for, for a creative person, it's often to touch all those that bring a brand to life. And, I, having worked in a traditional, a more traditional CKS, uh, um, you know, brand identity, brand building uh, company, and also with uh, uh, advertising agencies where we have the day-to-day -day relationship with the CMO, we have the, the wallet of the CMO over a course of years, you can actually continue to build the momentum of the brand strategy versus having to, you know, just deliver and hope that everyone gets it right or check in and do a project, that, you know, a couple of months later. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess I found that uh, strange that I would think uh, a, a client would would demand more of a consultant and not just uh, a drop off of a logo and, 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 and integrate into the design of that logo, the, the brand experience, and, and uh, be a little bit more than just, a, you know, just a, a design artist, I guess. But, you know, uh, that's up for them to figure out. I, you know, going back, as we mentioned last segment about your... Uh, Arnold's client, Timberland. Uh, I'm curious, what role, uh, give our audience a little uh, sense of the role design played with uh, strategy and development for your client, Timberland. Oh, well, I think uh, one of the most exciting projects we are working on right now, can't talk too much about the idea, is that, um, um, you know, it, Arnold won the, uh, the account and was doing, was doing the, all the advertising and positioning and strategy for it worldwide, um, but there's an opportunity to to, uh, they had they wanted to redesign the, the shoe boxes themselves the packaging uh, of the shoe boxes and all the apparel all the apparel worldwide and in a way that media if you look at it as media is probably the most visible most intimate uh, expression of the brand next to the product itself and um, at a rate of 31 million boxes next year mm. uh, it's actually you know for the cost I think like 30 cents to make each box it's probably more than the, they pay ever for and uh, all the media combined. So um, it's a really awesome opportunity for us to, to work on it. And we have this really great idea, and I can't wait for the world to see it. <laughs> and that delivers the brand. They have a, an, uh, a great in-house department that creates a lot of this stuff. But because we've been providing the brand strategy, um, uh, the core brand idea, they trusted us to us to do it uh, instead of the in-house department, and uh, I think, and we're working kind of together with them, and this is, uh, it's going to be awesome. You know, uh, and give us, when did you win the account, uh, Robert? When, when did Arnold win? 
before I got there. Oh yeah. So so uh, I guess either a year and a half or two years ago. Yeah, and 31 million uh, small little uh, billboards that'll be running around. Uh, uh, well, you bring it to your house. You don't bring billboards into your home. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, and and actually designing so that they can do more than be a shoebox. And that's all I can say. Well, you know, that's really cool. I, I'm sure the media, the, the trade media, or trade press, I should say, will be covering that. So we look forward to hearing about it. When, when will that announcement be uh, out for public consumption, Robert? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. But we're shooting to have the stuff uh, uh, out into the market um, sometime next year. We're going to take a break here on the Advertising Show, Brad. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest is uh, Robert Wong out of Boston, the executive creative director at uh, Arnold Worldwide's Design Group, focusing on brand strategies, corporate identity, new media, and in-store customer experience. We can test to a great customer experience at Starbucks for sure. Thank you very much, Robert. Back in just a minute with more of the Advertising Show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Hello, amigo. I'm Chiquita Banana and I've come... And back on The Advertising Show, love talking to Robert Wong. It's good that we've had, got him for the, uh, the next hour as well, huh, Brian? Yeah, he's a great guest, and uh, gosh, I can tell we're going to run out of time with him because he's got such uh, great things to say and insight, and uh, well, well, we'll just look forward to visiting with him next hour. That'll be good. We've got him in the green room right now where we've got plenty of Chiquita bananas on hand to keep him uh, fresh and, and alive and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is out of, uh, let's see, what is this, uh, the Financial Times out of London. And it's, uh, this is something that I thought we already knew, but apparently some of us didn't know that. It says, empty nesters are ripe for brand messages. In other words, the folks have not gone to the farm, so to speak. New research suggests marketers are ignoring adults whose children have left home and uh, doing so at their own peril. Well, we knew that. Irrespective of social, ethnic, or demographic backgrounds, when their children leave home, a mother uh, uh, reappears, a mother reappraises uh, many, if not all, aspects of her life. That's so very true. That's according to uh, Andrew Edwards, president of Europe, uh, the Middle East, and Asia for Arc Worldwide, which is a, a part of uh, our, uh, Leo Burnett. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the, they're telling us things we already know, but I don't understand why we are not doing something about that. What do you think about that? Well, you know, it's hard to hard to second guess that. I agree with you. It seems obvious, and it seems like there's some. Uh, well, I, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> Uh, when it seems obvious, it makes you think there must be more to uh, more to it than more to it. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know uh, something else that just was announced uh, earlier this week, uh, just this past Monday, Ray ABC News on, uh, uh, as I said on Monday, named Elizabeth Vargas and Bob Woodruff uh, both to replace the late Peter Jennings as co-anchors of uh, World News Tonight. Um, the network, of course, a unit of Walt Disney, will also shake up its format by broadcasting live to three time zones and beefing up its online news report, which I thought was rather interesting that they're it going is, to be yeah. doing variations. Usually uh, network news is just simply a, a delayed or a re, 
uh, a, a time shift for other uh, time zones, uh, West Coast, Pacific, and uh, Central, of course. But uh, the move puts the younger faces behind the anchor desk at the uh, network news program as television, of course, as uh, Patrick uh, mentioned at the beginning of uh, this hour as uh, television news struggles to attract and retain viewers as a lot of traditional media is struggling with today. Just as a reminder, by the way, from 78 to 83, World News Tonight had three anchors. Uh, they were they were turning through them until Jennings took over as the sole anchor. Who were those? And, Who uh, were those? Uh, you know, it doesn't mention, but the point is 78 to 83 uh, what is that? Six years, uh, six-year time span to go through three anchors, and then from '83 until just uh, earlier this year, uh, to have uh, appointed Jennings as the anchor and stayed mm-hmm. with him all those years. Uh, quite a, quite a feat, if I should not say so myself. And as you and I've said before here on the show, huge fan of, uh, of Peter Jennings and a, a news person that will be uh, long missed uh, in the industry. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're almost at Christmas here, Brad, as you well know. And uh, this is interesting. Out of the L.A. Times this week, at 40, a Charlie Brown Christmas is still packing them in. How about that? Advertisers are paying up to 200000 bucks for a 30-second spot during this year's airing of the Charlie Brown, Brown Christmas. Tonight on uh, ABC, the, uh, the year, this year marks the 40th year the Christmas show has aired, and it's still beloved by marketers for its innocence and wholesomeness. Of course it is. What a great vehicle, huh? You know, if you've ever been out to uh, Santa Rosa, California, where uh, Charles Schultz has his uh, museum there, it's quite a quite an interesting uh, facility. And if you're a, 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 a Charlie Brown fan, uh, or if you're into peanuts, anything and everything, I'm sorry, Snoopy, I should say, uh, if you anything and everything you could imagine uh, Snoopy to be doing, he's there in the museum, and folks, you can buy whatever you want. But it's uh, it's quite a quite a facility if That's you're nice. into that. You know, in Cleveland, uh, where a Christmas story, you shoot your eye out, kid. That that movie with mm-hmm. uh, that that was shot partially in Cleveland, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland, and they just recently this past year opened up the house and renovated the house, or I should say. Uh, brought it back to the condition it was during the uh, the shooting of the movie, and they have opened up a, a museum there, and they're wow. uh, they're allowing people to uh, to go through and, and see the house, uh, lamp and all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the guy who bought the house and renovated it had something to do with making those kind of lamps. You know, the the leg with the uh, the stocking on it. So that's kind of a neat thing too. And they had the, some of the cast members, not the not the main players, but they had some of the cast members in Cleveland for the uh, holiday parade, uh, so they can get. The this whole thing kicked off. So that's kind of a cool uh, cool thing. This season does uh, a lot of good things, doesn't it, Brad? Yeah, if you don't want to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, go over there, right? <laughs> I would suggest you do. It would be a good idea. Uh, okay, we're going to be back in uh, just a minute. We've got uh, a couple more segments this hour, and uh, we'll continue on the advertising show. It's Ray Shones and Brad Forsyth. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. What do you mean you can't return the car, sir? Was it stolen? Uh, no, no, Good. sir. You had an accident, right? Well, I kind of No, no, I did it on purpose. What did you do, sir? Well, you remember when I came in to rent the car and yeah. I insisted 
I, I made a fuss about it being a Camaro. Yes, I that is a, a classic Chuck Bloor spot here on the advertising show. It's for Chevy, uh, uh, the Chevrolet, Chevrolet Camaro. The guy is so good. It's it's really neat that we're able to touch these people and talk to them. And uh, it's been a while since Chuck has been on the advertising show, but uh, we need to get him back one of these days, huh, Brad? Yeah. Oh, call him right now, okay? Yeah. Have Stephanie call him. Call him at home. Yeah. He's probably <laughs> watching the game or something. Anyway, uh, every week we look at the good and the bad of advertising, and I think uh, the past couple of weeks, I think... Let's see, last week it was bad, week before that it was good, so it's it's time for this one, I think. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. Unless you'd rather do the other one, but I think we'll do this one, huh? Yeah. Okay. You know, last week we did uh, feature up advertising, and it was Cadillac, and staying with the uh, automotive category, we, we teased it a little bit last week. In fact, you guessed it, Ray, and I don't know how you did that because you weren't looking at my paper. I had no paperwork in front of me at that time, actually. Nothing up you your sleeve, the, either, yeah. Yeah, you, you, uh, you guessed who the advertiser was, and we're going to be featuring Buick this hour. Uh, and uh, before I get to who it is, let me just jump into it. The, the spot opens with a head-on shot of a Buick, and uh, you know this, of course, by the logo on the grill, and what appears to be uh, the car in an airplane hangar. And, and you immediately notice the snow uh, snow's falling, as these large doors on this hangar uh, begin to open up, and it reveals the car, and the voiceover announcer says, Consider the snowflake. No two are alike. Each one a miracle of nature. Now, the uh, while the voiceover continues, we're, we're seeing extreme close-ups of snowflakes as they float down on the hood of the Buick, and the voiceover continues, and nothing gives us more pleasure than eliminating them with a blast of steaming water, uh, washer fluid <laughs> Preheated up to 149 degrees. Now, now we're we're viewing various angles of the car driving along the highway as the snowflakes continue to fall from the sky. And the voiceover uh, concludes by way of saying preheated, preheated washer fluid and all the new Buick Lucerne uh, Lucernes. And then the spot ends with the typical ending graphics of the uh, Buick logo, etc. Now, as I watch this spot, Ray, I, I ask myself. Uh, now, the selling message is basically buy a Buick, Buick Lucerne and you get heated washing fluid. And, and then I say to myself, am I watching Saturday Night Live and is this one of those spoof spots or are they serious? Now, think about it. The Buick Lucerne, the CXS model that they're featuring in this spot, uh, costs thirty-seven grand, And this gets you heated water uh, washer fluid. Uh, it's a pretty expensive feature, I think. Uh, oh, and my yeah. concern about this spot uh, is not the fact that they uh, that that the that, you know that the heated washer fluid isn't a cool feature. It is a cool feature. My question is, why would you hang your hat and and make this the center point of the entire spot? And wondering if this could really truly be the kind of motivation that would have you buy a Buick Lucerne. Uh, it, it certainly is a differentiator from all competing models, but I'm, I'm questioning whether it's worthy of the kind of attention and emphasis that they're giving it here. So to the automotive engineers of Buick who came up with the heated washer fluid idea, I'm sure it's uh, something they're proud of. But for the advertising people, uh, or heaven forbid, the client uh, at Buick who decided to feature the entire spot on this uh, convenient little uh, uh, heated washer fluid, I think you've just earned yourself this week's advertising item of the week. Okay. You know, it yeah. reminds me of maybe they were thinking about the fact that when Infinity brought out their cars, they said, it has a clock. A clock. You know, one of those round little clocks with hands, not a oh, digital yeah, one? Oh, yeah, yeah. As so, opposed to a digital clock, yeah. Yeah. And, and the yeah, other and, th- you know, 
Well, the other thing, too, is is uh, how do you know it's differentiated? Uh, how do you know that the other uh, Buick models don't also have heated washer fluid? Well, and you don't, and I guess my point is, is you could have featured that along with other features of the vehicle that made it unique and unusual, and, you know, once you do determine, as you say, that maybe other Buick lines carry the same uh, feature, mm-hmm. then it isn't so differentiated or, or unusual to the Buick Lucerne. But, I mean, why, uh, my point is, is why feature an entire spot on that one, Right. Yeah. Uh, why focus an entire spot on that one feature? Why not... Uh, you know, throw in a couple other unique features to the Buick Lucerne and, and be able to showcase the uniqueness uh, of the product itself rather than just the one. And for the first time in a long time, Buick has come out with a car that doesn't look like a Buick. Um, and that's a good thing because the, the, the brand was getting old uh, in spite of Mr. Woods driving around in his Buick. Um, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I, agree. The, the Lucerne I, was, I agree with you. I think they've got, the Lucerne's a sharp-looking car. Uh, Ford has done the same thing with the new model they have called the 500. The 500, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, and that's a great car. The 500 this past week came out as one of the top cars for safety. Uh, It it got a real high rating. I was really surprised uh, to see that. I saw that, and the the vehicle itself is a sharp-looking vehicle, and it's... uh it's uh, an unusual car in that it, I mean, it doesn't look like a Ford. It's a breakout model, yeah. uh, and just like the Lucerne, the Lucerne is supposed to be their luxury uh, model for Buick, and uh, I don't know. The, the strategy is that they try to hang their hat on uh, uh, one item, and then they'll show some other spots in the future that will feature individual items as well. It's a new strategy that Buick has come up with, or their agency, McCann, in trying to just uh, isolate particular features and uh, and uh, highlighting that one feature in one particular spot. Uh, a jury's still out, I guess, as to whether that's a good strategy or not. But uh, I guess time will tell. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think you're exactly right. Robert Wong is back with us next hour here on the Advertising Show, Executive Creative Director Arnold Worldwide. The Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's our number two of The Advertising Show, and it's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and we continue our conversation this hour with Robert Wong, Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. Robert is in uh, Boston, uh, where he lives. Uh, just missed all that bad weather this past week. Uh, <laughs> Very interesting. Not, you know, if you really like winter, that's a good place to be. If you really don't like winter, that's a bad place to be. So we'll, we'll get uh, back on the horn with uh, Robert in just a few minutes. We also have uh, Joe Jaffe's A Different Perspective. He's going to talk about what happens to negative consumer comments. What do people do with those kinds of things? And if you're a, uh, a business owner, um, what do you do with them? <laughs> Discount them? We'll find out what uh, Joe's take on that is. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, some powerful questions a little bit later on this our Andy Borowitz, uh, sharp objects on airplanes is the uh, is the topic today, and we talked about that a little while ago. So we're going to talk with uh, with Andy as well. Uh, what else? 
I think that's about it. So uh, what's know, going uh, with you? Oh, by the way, Brad has just crossed over the border on his cell phone and uh, from the Texas uh, to Oklahoma border uh, there. So you're in Oklahoma now, is that right? Well, you've heard of Where's Waldo. This is Where's Brad. And no, actually, I, I took a wrong turn. I'm now headed southbound to Louisiana. And just out of helping the poor folks down there in New Orleans, I'm going to go to Bourbon Street and uh, French Quarter, which is you know, a reminder to all of our listeners that uh, one of the high dry areas that remained uh, dry, ironically, uh, go dry, figure. <laughs> uh, that uh, is open for business. And I uh, want to encourage uh, everyone to you know help support New Orleans and get it back on its feet. And if you uh, look for some place to to go uh, spend some money when I want to make it New Orleans this year. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned at the first of the hour, last hour, we, we were talking about uh, uh, the various uh, items that are and are not allowed on, uh, on airlines this uh, holiday season or going forward. Uh, and if you have any concerns, uh, Transportation Security Administration uh, is the organization, the governmental organization that handles all of this. And I want to alert all of our listeners that, uh, any hammers, saws, or ice picks are prohibited. <laughs> okay, so good. That's about, nice. You're thinking about carrying any of those on. Don't do that. Be, no, no. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, just as a reminder, uh, if you have like an elderly relative and she wants to bring those long, piercing metal knitting needles, uh, those will be permitted, uh, according to this uh, article I have in front of me. Uh, and as well as make sure your kids bring their toy weapons on board as well. That that will also be uh, uh, allowed this year. So if you if you're like me and Ray and you think that those items should not be uh, allowed, please contact the Transportation Security Administration and tell them somehow this got on the permitted list and we need to get it down there on the prohibited list. That would Don't be a good think, idea. Ray? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like when they give out you know, the bats at the baseball games, right? Exactly. There's a funny yeah. there's a funny website about that as well. Yeah. But the sad part of it is, Brad, it's true. They they search your belongings, and then they'll give you a bat <laughs> to take into the ball game so you can I slug somebody. Yeah, that's a video, uh, a it's video item. It's the kid from Brooklyn.com, I think. Yeah. Scary site. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we have a worldwide audience. Uh, to some 25% of our total audience is uh, listening throughout Europe, Asia, and uh, South America and South Africa, so to keep our European listeners uh, engaged, CNBC Europe, uh, the Pan-European Business and Financial TV Network, and Inc.'s publishing European business have linked up to relaunch the magazine as a monthly co-branded publication named CNBC European Business. The uh, renamed renamed publication, Ray, will have an initial circulation of 108,000. And uh, CNBC Europe reaches, just for the record, 5.8 million viewers per month and is attracting 1.8 million more viewers than any other pan-European financial network, or financial channel, I should say. So uh, Mm -hmm. for all of our European listeners and uh, readers of business publications, there's a new publication coming out, European Business. Go buy one. Here's another publication. You can tell this guy's not from around here. You can tell it by the way he talks. Listen closely. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. I recently sat on a panel discussing social media and specifically what corporations should do in response to consumer expressions or consumer activism consumer-generated content, such as the creation of spoof advertising, for example. 
most of the conversation centered around handling negative comments or negative expressions. But I feel that there is an opportunity being missed here. It's what companies should be doing in response to positive or constructive expressions. The real question is whether companies should do nothing or take action, and if so, what should that action look like? And certainly I think everybody agrees that doing something in the form of setting the legal eagles on consumers is absolutely not the way to go. Companies have been burnt radically when they start to do that because consumers fight back and they use the blogosphere and they use their ability to almost make a mockery of companies that are trying to handle these new opportunities in old traditional ways. What I would challenge companies to do is to embrace consumers, figure out ways to work with consumers, figure out ways how to take what consumers are capable of generating and turn it into something bigger, something authentic and something credible. Consumers want to be part of the process. For God's sake, let them. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. Yep, I was right. He is not. He's probably from uh, somewhere around deep east Texas, I would imagine, Brad. Uh, that's Joe Jaffe and a great feature here on the advertising show, and I think he's right as well. We've, uh, we're about to uh, rejoin in conversation here for hour number two. Um, with uh, Robert Wong, Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. And we're going to do that in uh, just a, well, <laughs> a few moments, as a matter of fact. Hey, Brad, did you hear about this? This is interesting. The PlayStation Portable, it's a Sony product, is now they're using uh, Guerrilla Outdoor Campaign, ex- executed by graffiti artists in Frisco, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Philly, L.A., and Miami. It's kind of rubbing some people the wrong way. I can see that, you know? Allowing people to spray paint stuff, that's maybe not a good idea, but interesting nonetheless, and they got some press. We're talking about it, aren't we? Back in just a moment with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show with Robert Wong out of Boston. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. It's the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and Brad. Pom-poms on your roller skates didn't work either because you didn't get Billy either, okay? Sure. We know that, that's, and that's a good thing. It's uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth back as promised with our special guest, Robert Wong, out of Boston and the Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. Robert, thanks for uh, spending part of your weekend with us here. I love it. Gets me out of the cold. <laughs> oh, yeah, any excuse, uh, Robert. You know, uh, it would appear to me uh, that many advertisers uh, seek out a multitude of sources for achieving their marketing goals, yet uh, we're seeing examples of how some smaller regional ad agencies are, are making a comeback. So I'm curious, Robert, do, do you think the uh, old one ad agency relationship is uh, dead, or are we looking at a comeback here? Um, I don't know enough about the whole industry to kind of um, you know, have a real thoughtful response probably to that. But I do think that clients, um, you know, there's different ways to do it. You can try to go best of breed 
in the different disciplines, or you can, uh, um, you know, simplify the process and, and go to one agency and make sure that every single dollar spent is going the same direction as every other dollar. Um, and I think the uh, the onus on the agencies is to become best of breed in all the disciplines, and I think that's what Arnold's doing. Um, so I think that, you know, in a way that uh, I see a lot of agencies doing that. I think if uh, I look back in the last uh, eight years since the word, you know, integrated marketing kind of came about, um, it started off with holding companies with, you know, different kind of disciplines together and they try to get everyone to play nice but it's really having like a trying to have a hockey team and a baseball team and a football team trying to play together um and then you know you you saw that well okay the agencies will try to hire uh some designers and web people but uh um you know but it was always second class citizen or subservient to you know advertising and i think now more and more if you look across at the successful agencies they're they're all bringing in best of breed uh, from the respective disciplines that make up the brand and uh, having them be well integrated. So now you have you know, a great football player and a baseball player and a, uh, a hockey player not playing their own game but working together to figure out what the new uniform and field looks like and, and playing it to, and this new game together. So I think that's what's exciting. You know, and I think, uh, you know, speaking of design, and it was it was pre-Robert Wong at uh, Arnold, but you guys really put yourself on the map years ago when you were hired to do the work for Volkswagen. Yeah. Uh, and and you were you were taking uh, the introduction of the Beetle, uh, the Volkswagen Beetle, and and doing the kind of design, <clears throat> excuse me, the design at design-oriented advertising that helped launch that product back yeah. with, back with uh, Dualdane Bernbach in the uh, '60s. <clears throat> Excuse me, and, and Arnold uh, really uh, rose to the occasion and did an outstanding job. And of course, several months ago, I guess Volkswagen moved from Arnold to uh, Crispin Porter Bogusti. Yep. But Arnold's redesign of uh, VW dot uh, com for Volkswagen was named top automotive site uh, at the <laughs> Web Association Association's annual award show. Absolutely, uh, Web Awards uh, received a total of. Uh, Nine awards uh, you guys did for its outstanding your your outstanding work I should say web mm-hmm. uh, web marketing expertise so I'm curious did did you get to retain the interactive portion of the account or did it all go um, uh, you know I think there was some negotiation still but I think it all it all went but I'm not totally sure yeah and uh, well, and I got to tell you it's nothing to be ashamed of because you guys did outstanding work for uh, Volkswagen and. And uh, it was a tough, uh, a tough reintroduction of a product that uh, a lot of people didn't know how Volkswagen would fly coming back to the U.S. And you guys did outstanding work. You know, talking of, uh, speaking of, of a multitude of, uh, of uh, talent and, and a variety of uh, integrated type uh, approach to marketing and advertising today, Arnold recently launched an entertainment division to develop film, TV, internet, video game, and other creative content to promote for its clients. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about the. Uh, idea behind this new venture if you could probably well i i think the the basic idea is that you know as we all know even though i think i just read on the cover of something that uh ad spending is expected to grow by six percent next year mm-hmm. but the traditional medias are still struggling and they're seeing a decline in the media sales so all those dollars are going into all these other areas some people call it non-traditional or whatnot um and i think that people are so you know uh the public is so savvy about advertising. They just, you know, 
either either they love it because it's great or they just shut it off because it's noise. And I think, you know, we can connect much better with people through other means. And entertainment is one of the means. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking back in the last five years, some of the big uh, moments, starting from the Reese's Pieces, you know, pure product placement to I think what we're talking now about is much more product, product development. You know, look at a show that's Apprentice. I mean, what a great win-win money-making thing for the apprentice, the producers there. Uh, you know, you get viewers, you get advertisers, you get people that pay to be on uh, the, the sponsor of the show. And it, it's just a win-win-win for everybody. Yeah, and, you know, branded, speaking of branded entertainment strategies, Arnold has uh, utilized uh, many in this past year for some of your clients. Uh, for example, Vonage uh, and your special 30-second animated ad for movie theaters this past summer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I didn't do that work, so I, Matt Lindley uh, would have a much better answer for that. Well, and, you know, I'm going to have to start coming to rehearsal here, so I will know that. But uh, let, <laughs> let's, let's, let's shift gears here. We've got about a minute and a half left here in this, uh, well, a couple minutes left in this segment. Right. I'm curious, Robert, to get your take on uh, humor in advertising. Do you, do you agree that, uh, that humor, humorous commercials need to be, refreshed on a regular basis to combat uh, viewer burnout. And, and I'm also curious about your take on uh, uh, sometimes commercials being too funny and overshadowing the, the client's message. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's always a tough balance. Uh, humor is great. Everyone loves it. You automatically like someone when you walk into a party and someone makes you laugh. Uh, actually, I realized the other day I was thinking of all my best friends and people who are just acquaintances. The acquaintances have never made me this re laugh out loud. Um, so I think, you know, great brands are try to do that. They, you know, somehow, you know, are your friend. You like them. And so humor, I think, is a huge, huge tool. I think whenever you do anything that forsakes the original goal of what you're supposed to do, which is, you know, connect the brand to... Uh, um, uh, to the communication, then you're you're making a mistake. So there's nothing inherently wrong with humor. I think it's awesome, uh, but I think if you use it without connecting the brand to it, then it's just a waste of media dollars. Brandon never likes humor because we always make fun of him. You see, Robert. So that's the way it goes. I don't and know why he doesn't like tool. You have all these other tools: shock, surprise, you know. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Hey, we've got to take a break here uh, uh, on the advertising show. Jeffrey Gittimer is with us here. And instead of giving us some really great answers, he's asking some powerful questions, or at least getting you to ask some of those as well. So that's coming up here in just a moment or so on the advertising show. And we'll continue our conversation with Robert Wong, the executive creative director at Arnold Worldwide out of Boston, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And we'll be back in just a minute, so don't you dare go anywhere. on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Asking powerful questions will make prospects think in new ways. Now, that's the bold part. 
You ask questions to get prospects to give you information that will lead you closer to a sale. You want information that affected prospects in the past. So you want to find out about their past experiences. You want to understand their motives for buying, and you want to find out what criteria they used in selecting you or someone like you. To get prospects to think in new ways, you have to ask thought-provoking questions. Here's an example. Mr. Jones, what would you do if you lost two of your top ten customers? And you follow that question with, well, what's your plan to keep your best ones loyal? Now, those are questions that don't have a specific product or service behind them, but they're going to make your prospect squirm. Now, they may not fit everybody's business, but baby, they're thought-provoking. In fact, you might want to ask that same question of yourself. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. It's a real thing In the back of your mind What you're hoping to find It's a real thing It's a real thing Coke is... It's The Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. What did you just say? Testing? <laughs> oh, you think you're on stage again, don't you? I'm seeing a funny noise in my headphones here, and I just thought I might uh, make sure that I'm still here. I'm still here. Are you there, Ray? I would certainly hope so. And most importantly, yeah. Robert is here with our final segment here on the advertising show. Robert, Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. And uh, for one more segment here, Robert, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I'm still here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good. You know, uh, I want to get into give, get share with our audience a bit about uh, the life and times of Robert Wong and your your uh-huh. schooling background. You mentioned the Parsons School of Design, well well yeah. known for, uh, school there in New York, uh, University of Waterloo MBA, and you you were fortunate enough, as it's noted here, to quit uh, your MBA program with your three point nine GPA. Well, that's a smart time to. That's probably your first lesson in learning how to get out while on top. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you also mentioned in your schooling, which I think is a tremendous uh, a compliment there, that uh, really great parents was also uh, part of your schooling, and I think we can all relate to that. So, Robert, how in the world did uh, a person that's about to finish a degree in accounting woke up uh, one morning and flew to New York and became a graphic designer instead? Uh, whatever you were. Uh, Smoking or drinking. <laughs> I think you need to go pass that out to some of the other accountants that are almost ready to graduate as well. Or, or not. Or not. Yeah. Right. You know, I think at one point, um, life is is a, oftentimes is a track laid out for you. You have your junior high, you have your high school, and as an immigrant kid, um, you know there was like four professions that you could do: architect, doctor, you know, accountant, etc. Um, and 
so you went on the track, and I think at one point, you, uh, if you have good parents, they give you the confidence to know that, you know what, you can be successful in anything. Um, and I always drew as a kid, and so I decided, um, you know, that a life, uh, I want to make sure that my life and my work wasn't two separate boxes. And that's why I decided to go to art school. I had no idea what I was going to become, actually, uh, when I went to art school. Um, and uh, luckily, I found this thing, which at the time was called communication design. Very nebulous. What does that mean? You know, it's not a photographer where you have to take a picture and, or an illustrator you have to draw all day. It was this uh, uh, this nebulous thing, communication. I was fascinated by it. So uh, that's the degree I came out with, and uh, as a designer. And uh, basically, it's all the skills that I learned in kindergarten. Um, but it gets me close to <laughs> what I care most about, which is just you know the experience of life and connecting with other people and somehow I managed to be able to do some of that in my work. Well, and you know, you, you have a wonderful background with uh, a partner and executive creative director with a, a design firm and then once uh, once there you also were a cre chief creative officer at March 1st, which acquired uh, CKS, then Starbucks, as we mentioned last hour with your background uh, as a uh, vice president of creative. I'm curious, as current uh, executive creative director at Arnold Worldwide, what, what would be a sense, uh, uh, give us a sense, if you would, Robert, of a typical uh, work week for you, and I know that no one week is typical for you, I'm sure, but uh, just kind of a sense of, uh, of what, what would uh, go into being the executive creative director at a worldwide agency like Arnold. Uh, you keep the people who are stars and talented underneath you really happy. Uh, you keep your clients really happy and you try to you try to, you know, push all the work uh, to be as great as possible. And I think in a in addition to that, which probably is a generic answer, um, um, I, I think Arnold as an agency uh, is also uh, evolving. Um, it's a good size to evolve. It's it's uh, uh, it, it's 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 Coming, you know, from a, I would say, an advertising agency to much more of a uh, brand building, you know, total communications uh, company, an idea driven company, and and um, so one of the things is pushing all the parts together. I mean, the the disciplines of interactive design and and general advertising are still fundamentally very different kinds of disciplines. Although, you know, when kids come out of school, they have the talent to do all of those things, but they're forced into a discipline. And there's processes, and uh, and and even on the client side, you know, things that work differently that that created those industries. And I think one of the main goals is to to really push that all together, so that this is you know one cohesive team of smart, talented people doing all those things for a client. Uh, and so you have less people doing more things, which in the end turns out better, um, get better results, uh, cost the clients less. And I think that's that's the exciting thing. So are you more removed from the uh, hands-on design? No, no, no. I get very hands-on with the design. I love the concept. Whenever, uh, you know, I, I listen to all the major briefings, and, and of course, um, uh, one of the things I bring to the table is, uh, you know, traditional brand strategy via design. Um, you know, the, the, the nonverbal elements that make up all the communications, you know, the look and feel and, and, and voice, and uh, strategically try to... Uh, you know, dig through an existing, either an existing client or a new clients, uh, um, uh, all their equities, and come up with, hey, what is truly yours, 
that you can own and can be really different, but also, you know, how you take that and freshen it up so that you evolve it. So, you know, I have this thing, thing that I say is like, how do you stay forever the same but always new? And you try to do that for every single client um, so that consumers out there, they recognize, they notice this thing coming from uh, Timberland or Radio Shack or Truth or whatnot, but they're always a little bit like surprised that like, oh, that's a, I know it's them, but it's, it's kind of cool, it's new, fresh. Uh, Robert, we are unfortunately out of time here on the Advertising Show. I want to say thanks for being a part of the show this weekend, and it was a great interview. Thanks. Well, thank you. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Use Ajax! Boom, boom. Colgate's new Ajax cleans all bathroom surfaces up to 50% faster. Use Ajax! Boom, boom. The foaming cleanser. It's the Advertising Show, Classic Spot, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and uh, a great conversation with Robert Wong and... Uh, uh, it's ArnoldWorldwide.com, by the way, if you want to find out more. There are a few great people out there, and we seem to get them here on the advertising show. We like that. And, of course, Robert is one of those, so it's good to have him on the show. Um, a little bit later on this hour, it's, uh, what are we doing? Andy Borowitz talking about sharp objects in airplanes. It's kind of the theme of the show, in a way, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. a little bit this week. I think this is interesting. You and I both recall <clears throat> a long time ago, when television shows were sponsored by a major sponsor. In other words, a sole sponsorship. And it it appears, according to the Times, uh, the New York Times, that sole sponsorships are back in vogue. Uh, Major marketers discovering that one way to distinguish their ads in a television advertising landscape is to eliminate the clutter by taking on a sole sponsorship of a program. Uh, Let's see this. Bacardi, uh, Royal, Philips, Electronics, Nike, Nokia, America Online, just a few of the marketers. I, I kind of think that's a kind of a neat idea. You've got what is that uh, the the Hallmark, uh, uh, yeah, the Hallmark program as well. Right, Good Hallmark idea. Uh, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yes. It really takes it. Re- when I see stuff like that, it really takes me back to uh, when I was a kid. Uh, same thing with Kraft. I think Kraft has uh, done some stuff that uh, that way as well. What do you, you think? Know, what you, do you think? Well, you mentioned Hallmark, and you know. There's a good example of consistency and how to build a brand. And, and uh, people, I think, if you were to say Hallmark, they might first think of the TV sponsorship before they even think of the card company because they've done such a great uh, job of consistently year in, year out, sponsoring uh, some very quality programming that we see out there and, and always associated their name with good quality uh, programming. And you mentioned sole sponsorships, Ray. I'm reading a lot about how... Uh, advertisers are reaching out and doing something very unusual in magazine advertising. There have been some situations where some major advertisers have decided to be the sole advertiser in uh, in, in some major national publications. Uh, it's the it's a, a, a strategy. I guess again the jury's still out on this terms in terms of the effectiveness. But there's a strategy where. A major advertiser will go out and be the only advertiser in a major publication. And, uh, uh, you know, it's hmm. an interesting strategy, I should say. I, I feel like in a magazine it's almost overkill. I don't know why I'd say that compared to television, but uh, I feel, I mean, you know, that that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and clutter's clutter. And uh, it, it does have, a, unfortunately, uh, 
uh, you know, a, a bit of uh, brevity in terms of its, its uh, life. You know, you you keep sitting. You know, you would think uh, the memorability of a publication versus a, a movie uh, would be less with the publication, but yet uh, it's it goes back to what you said, Ray. It's a strategy to overcome the clutter issue, and uh, it's something that uh, when it comes to traditional media. Uh, advertisers who are not willing to let go of some of those traditional vehicles are trying to figure out how to hang in there, and the, and the publications and other traditional uh, channels are trying to figure out how to give advertisers a unique way to present their uh, message within that environment. I don't know about you, Ray, but I think it's a, a little late uh, in the uh, time frame to be coming up with innovative ideas on how to uh, showcase an advertiser's message in traditional media. I think it's something they probably should have been considering what, ago. five years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Here's a here's a hook: the Super Bowl sole sponsorship, and it would cost you <laughs> yeah. it would cost you ten times what they would make. But yeah, you'd and, own the and, Super Bowl. And and if who would be the perfect advertiser for that? Anheuser Busch. Yeah, but wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> With yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> so think about that, guys, at Anheuser-Busch or whomever. I don't know. That's, that'd be kind of... Hey, speaking of lots of money, uh, the the uh, holiday online spending, this excludes travel. It has jumped 24% over last year. Now it's up to 9.75, not million, but 9.75 billion. Uh, report uh, released this past Monday... On Cyber Monday alone, market research firm Comscore Network said consumers spent $485 bucks, up 26% versus last year. Early results confirming this is going to be another excellent year for online buying. Uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. How many years ago, when we, gosh, when we first started the show four and a half years ago, we were talking about uh, expectations in the online buying uh, channel, and it was uh, a little, little more... It was a bit hesitant four and a half years ago. Uh, our first, uh, our first uh, holiday season here on the advertising show, which I guess would have been Christmas '01. Right. And and uh, people are getting more comfortable with buying that way. So congratulations. I found a. I've got a Vox amplifier, and I found online in a place in Wisconsin a an old Beetle stand uh, for that, and that was online, of course, which I'll make the purchase as well. We've got more of the advertising show, including Andy Borowitz, coming up here in just a moment with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Don't use Comet. Josephine, is there a better cleanser? Yuck! New Super Comet with Chlorinol Free. It gets out stains when other leading cleansers can't. Tough, greasy food stains like these. Well, we've got to cleaning products uh, all over the place today, from Ajax to Comet Cleanser. So uh, we'll let you decide which one you want to, uh, to clean up after the holiday mess this uh, holiday season. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Thanks again to uh, Robert Wong, our special guest on the show today, Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide. Uh, uh, Robert, originally from Hong Kong, grew up as a Canadian citizen, 
recently, uh, not recently, but a while back, also got his uh, U.S. citizenship as well, some things you didn't know about him. You know, and uh, speaking of cleaning up and tidying up and keeping a nice uh, holiday cheer, did you see this week, uh, earlier this week, the Victoria's Secret fashion show, right? No, I missed that one. <laughs> I, never, I never thought that during a Victoria's Secret fashion show that I would get a little teary-eyed, but, you know, Tyra Banks... Huh? Tyra Banks, her she, final appearance, now up her retiring. Stuff, yeah, right. yeah, now retiring as a supermodel. I mean, my goodness, uh, it's, it was everything I could do to control myself. My, my wife came in and saw me watching that, and I said, "This is research for the show." And yeah, uh, yeah, I try right. to do that every year. Uh-huh. And then I also throw in a little sidebar, and I say, "It's also research for Christmas shopping." And mm-hmm. then she looks at me like I'm, you know, lost my mind. Yeah, totally who, lost. Who, it who are you buying this stuff for? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Tyra, she's done, you know, I was critical of her talk show when she first came out with that. And i got to tell you, I've had a chance to look at a few bits of that. And she does a respectable job of that. She does. I'm she gonna... does. Have you seen any of it? No, no. It's surprising. You wouldn't think that she'd be able to pull it off. But she's really herself. And Alex Benblock, a television week guest here on the show from editor or publisher, I'm sorry, writer, columnist for Television Week, made the comment that he thought she did a good job. I was critical of it at that time, so I decided to watch a little bit of it. And my goodness, I agree with Alex. Uh, it's, <laughs> she does a decent job. There you go. Here's another uh, guy that does a de- decent job on the advertising show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. In the latest change to airline security regulations, the Transportation Safety Administration announced this past week that it would begin issuing small, sharp objects to all airline passengers on all domestic flights. Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff said that an in-flight kit containing the small scissors and tiny, sharp screwdrivers would be issued to all passengers at their departure gates and would be mandatory for boarding the aircraft. Requiring all passengers to carry an identical set of small, sharp objects will greatly enhance airline security, Mr. Chertoff said. This way, if somebody wants to bring some small, sharp objects on board that are not in our official kit of small, sharp objects, we'll know that something is up, he explained. Some lawmakers in Washington have objected to the high price tag of the new program, which could cost the government as much as $14.5 billion a year in tiny scissors and screwdrivers. In particular, some have questioned the no-bid contract that the government granted to the American Tiny Scissor and Screwdriver Corporation, a subsidiary of the Halliburton Company. On Monday, the first full day that the new regulations went into effect, there were few reported instances of delays or disruptions to air travel, with the exception of an episode in San Antonio in which a 79-year-old woman refused to accept the government's kit of small, sharp objects and was transported to Guantanamo for questioning. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. So Andy has his own take on the whole thing, what's going on there. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's a great job there, you know, Andy. Scary, is such a you do such a great job reading his material, and I've just uh, been handed this late-breaking news. No guillotines are going to be uh, allowed on any uh, flights. So Probably not. Guillotine. No, yeah. or cheese slicers. <laughs> the bagel cutters. There we go. That's some, 
that's some funny stuff from uh, from Andy. Yeah, uh, uh, Jeff Bell is going to be with us, by the way, next week uh, on the 18th. Uh, <clears throat> he's the vice president of uh, Chrysler and Jeep Daimler Chrysler, and it's going to be a, a great opportunity to talk with him and find out what's cooking uh, in in uh, that neck of the woods. I would assume he's in Detroit or something like that. Now, that's my guess. Now these guys travel so much. I don't know if he'll be in Detroit when we talk to him live. Uh, well, especially so uh, close to the holidays. Week. Yeah. Right, but uh, yeah, it should be good. And uh, you know, my my wife drives a Jeep Grand Cherokee, so I'm going to tell her if she has any complaints or, or anything. <laughs> call uh, call Jeff. Forward them to yeah. Sure. Call me, and I'll uh, forward those to Jeff, and we'll see if we can't get them fixed. Yeah, but she doesn't. She likes her car, so that's good, right? She does. Okay, well, good. That's, yep. that's a good thing there. Uh, uh, an uptick in agency salaries. That's uh, uh, revenue gains in 06, more robust raises and bonuses. Boy, you better be careful there. Advertising Age reporting in its 14th annual salary survey. The report also recorded 79% of agencies as predicting that there will be new hiring in 2006. So there is there is light at the end of the tunnel if you are one of those folks who is... Got their resume out there, right? <laughs> we have uh, we have uh, looking forward to uh, talking with Jeff Bell next week on the advertising show. And thanks again to Robert Wong, uh, Arnold Worldwide, Jeff, uh, Vice President of Chrysler and Jeep at Daimler Chrysler. And uh, that'll be good. So, Brad, been a fun time. We uh, had a yeah. good time. We also want to direct you to the website uh, as well, by the way. Uh, hosted by uh, the, the good friends of the show, Shippel, uh, S-C-H-I-P-U-L is the, the way you spell it. Just just ask for Ed. And uh, there's something new out there, too, Brad. It's called Tendency. Uh, check it out. It's uh, Shippel.com. We've got uh, the advertising show sponsored by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The advertising show still is a Big Radio Midgets production.